Hi, I'm Shelby Perry, class of 2018 from Colgate University, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to one of our bonus episodes. And on today's podcast, we have two former Colgate women's hockey players, Shelby Perry and Lauren Wildfang, as they talk about their college hockey experience with Colgate. But before we get to the interviews, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at College Hockey Talk. Also, follow our Spotify page and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. Leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I'll truly appreciate it if you did those things. Let's not waste any more time. Here is the interviews with Shelby Perry and Lauren Wildfang. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest, former Colgate women's hockey player Shelby Perry. Shelby, how's it going? And yeah, how's it going? Oh, good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on. And my first question to you is, how's your quarantine going and what have you been up to to pass the time these past few months? Um, so it's it's been good. Um, obviously, it started off pretty slow uh, being on lockdown in the house. And I've been uh, living back in my parents. So it's just been the three of us and our dog got out for lots of walks. And then as the weather got nicer. Um, you know, I met up with some friends for bonfires or outdoor picnics or what have you but um so far it's been good um I'm coaching back in Kingston where I'm from so we've been able to uh be on the ice together uh quite a bit for practice so that's uh, helping to fill up the time quite a bit so it's been good that's good how's coaching been and what's it like to see a different perspective on the game like not playing it I guess yeah, it's been um, it's been a lot of fun. So this is my second year, and I'm with the um, Kingston Junior Team in the PWHL. Um, so obviously, I used to play for that team, and like you said, it's a totally different perspective being on the bench as opposed to being on the ice. So um, it's definitely been quite a learning experience, and I I just really enjoy being out there with the girls and. I think they enjoy having me out there with them too. What type of coach are you? Are you more like a um, yelling at them or more of like a take, take you to the side and let's uh, discuss how we can make you better, I guess. Uh, Definitely the latter. I'm not, I I don't really like confrontation. So yelling and I don't know, I I try to take them aside, talk to them one-on-one and not even try to like, get them in trouble in a way, but just kind of like talk through, you know, the play that just happened or um, try to answer any questions they have about whatever just occurred. So yeah, I I definitely would consider myself maybe like the player's coach, um, but it's also a fine line not trying to be their friend as opposed to be their coach. So that's, I think where I've had to have um, the most learning um, experience in that, because I mean, even though I'm 
six years older than most of them. It still feels like I'm sort of their age. So, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I enjoy it quite a bit. Well, that's good. I feel like every team needs like a different type of coach. Like I've had many coaches that scream, do her brook drills and like you're just dying at the end of the practice. But then you also have the other coach that takes you aside. I think that balance helps uh, players, I think, develop to their full potential because you get different things. Out. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And last year, especially, I was the only female on the coaching staff. Um, so I found the girls would come to me quite a bit more than our male head coach um, to talk through some things or if they were having um, difficulties outside of the rink, like in school or their personal life, they would, some of them would come to me and ask for advice. So I really appreciate being that role model or it being that position for them to come to me and um, seek advice or guidance. So it's been good. Now what's the biggest challenge you've faced so far in this, during this pandemic? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like just being able to travel and visit friends, um, could, because prior to lockdown and the quarantine, obviously, um, I was going back to Colgate quite a bit to visit, um, old teammates or girls that I graduated with. They would all go back for a senior weekend or homecoming and, even just going up to Toronto to visit um, some old teammates is not really in the cards right now. So that's been tough, not being able to see a lot of my Colgate friends because, I mean, they truly are like my best friends in the world. Yeah. Um, now, on a more positive note, uh, I want to talk about the beginning of your hockey career. Um, what made you want to play hockey and talk about growing up in Canada and falling in love with the sport of hockey? Uh, yeah, so I mean, Canada, obviously hockey is our go-to sport, and I have an older brother who started, he's two years older than me, so he was already playing hockey, and I kind of showed interest in that, but um, my parents actually wanted to put me into hockey, I think at the age of five, um, but I guess I wanted to do like can skate, they call it, so it's like figure skating for beginners. Um, so I did that in probably about a month in, uh, I just was bored out of my mind. And I asked my mom if I could switch to hockey, but she said no, because it was my decision to do can skate. So I had to stick it out for the year. Um, and I was the only girl in my can skate group with boys skates, like black boys, hockey skates. All the other girls had the nice white shiny, um, figure skates so I finished that year and then got right into hockey at the age of six and just absolutely fell in love with it and never looked back. Yeah, and who was your favorite player growing up and what part of their game do you try to emulate to your game a little bit? Um, my favorite player growing up was definitely Jaina Hefford um, because, I mean, she was on the national team for so many years and she was such a big um, part of that team and made a huge impact on the game. And she was from Kingston, where I'm from. Um, so she was definitely someone that I aspired to be and I looked up to. Um, I always thought like, oh, hopefully, you know, I could be the next Jaina Hefford on the national team from Kingston, Ontario. Like that would be so, so cool. Um, but yeah, she was just such an amazing leader and the way she controlled the game on the ice and she was a playmaker and 
she saw the game so well. So yeah, she was definitely my favorite player um, growing up. And then as the women's game got bigger and more um, exposure, I guess you would say on television, uh, you saw Marie Philippe Poulin come into the team at such a young age and make the biggest impact and scored the biggest goals in the biggest games. And she was like, she's the best player I think I've ever seen in the women's game. She's so incredible. So yeah, she was definitely another one that I looked up to for sure. Oh yeah. It's always fun to watch her play just because she's just so um, just cool to watch because she makes it look so easy, especially with the stick handling and mm -hmm. it's just incredible. So now before yeah. you played for the Kingston Junior Ice Wolves before you were coaching there as well, you're also the captain of that team. Uh, talk about the experience as a player and what you took away from it. Yeah, so um, I, I grew up playing for the Kingston Ice Wolves um, girls hockey my whole life. And then it actually worked out, <clears throat> excuse me, quite perfectly. Um, when I went into grade 11, um, Kingston got their first PWHL team. Like I think it was in the works for quite a while. Um, so just as I started grade 11, that was our first year in the PW. Um, so the timing couldn't have been better for me. Um, so I played grade 11 and grade 12 for the PW team in Kingston, which was awesome because we're quite literally in the middle of Ottawa and Toronto. So it wasn't too much of, um, traveling to away games. Um, but with that being said, we did face some difficulties because I think our first year in the league, we finished 18 or 19 out of 21 teams. So it was definitely hard um, to recruit girls because a lot of girls that were maybe from the area or lived about an hour away had already been playing for like a Whitby or a Durham and they, I don't think they were willing to risk it to come back to Kingston um, just because we were so fresh and so new. And we, the first year we had a male coach and then the second year we had a different coach. So there was just a lot of changes going on um, in the organization. But I mean, I was lucky because um, yeah, it was just like, it's the best league to play in. Um, I think in North America for girls our age. So just being in the league and being exposed to all these players in Toronto and Ottawa and facing like the best competition was definitely um, a step up from midget. And I think it was um, really beneficial to my game. And you also played softball in high school as well. I was reading up on that. Uh, talk about playing another sport and how it helped you for your hockey development. Yeah, I think um, just playing other sports in general is really good for young athletes growing up. Like I love to play soccer and volleyball and softball, like you said. So just kind of taking your mind off of hockey for a bit and, you know, working on a totally different skill set. Um, Cause nowadays it seems like from such a young age, kids only play hockey and they only focus on hockey and like that could get, old for them after a while like they're never um exposed to different teammates or um like a different sport like I said so yeah it was just like it was just for high school but it was fun to play with a different group of girls and work on a different skill set and you always growing up like 
trying to be the best in hockey and then you play a different sport and you also want to be the best you can at that sport. So I think it just really helps with your work ethic to play different sports. And how did playing in the PWHL help you prepare for college hockey? Um, I would say that, like I said, um, playing against like the best players my age from Toronto and Ottawa um, definitely helped. And playing in Kingston, uh, we didn't win too many games. So there was a lot of um, adversity we faced and a lot of ups and downs, maybe more downs. So um, just being able to be mentally strong during those really tough times. Um, I thought really helped moving into the college game because not everything is going to be easy and, you know, sunshine. So that's how I felt um, the PW really um, prepared me for college hockey. Now talk about your recruiting process and uh, why did you choose to go to Colgate versus other schools? Um, so I was like, I knew that, playing college hockey in the States was what I wanted to do. Um, but not too many girls from Kingston um, at the time really went through that process. So I felt kind of alone in that sense. Um, I really didn't know what to expect. So just playing for the PW team and seeing different coaches or different scouts in the stands um, was definitely motivation for me. And then um, the first tournament of the year we always played in, in the PW was at Stony Creek. And that is just, it seemed like that's where all the college coaches went to watch and to recruit. So I always knew that that was a big uh, weekend for me in terms of exposure. Um, so I also feel like being in Kingston, um, we're pretty, I mean, we're a half an hour away from the U.S. border. So it seemed like a lot of coaches, especially from the ECAC, would come to Kingston to watch us play like the Toronto Arrows or a team that was further west. Um, so that also helped just location wise. Um, but I think it was in grade 12, we were at Stony Creek and my coach came up to me and said, to me and my parents, sorry, and said that um, the coach from Wisconsin wanted to talk to me and my parents about flying us out for a visit and not knowing too much about American geography I asked my parents oh where is Wisconsin and they said it's about 15 or 17 hours away and just being that far from home um, I didn't even really give it a second thought I was like no I'm not going there like I knew I wanted to be close to home um, so my team visited St. Lawrence University and I spoke to the coach there and I loved St. Lawrence. It was such a nice little town and a small university. And I got the feeling that I wanted to go to a university. Um, but at the same time, it was only an hour and a half away from home. So in a way I thought that was too close to home. Um, so I went on my visit to Colgate in October of grade 12. And my parents and I went out for lunch with Greg Fargo and Josh Skiba, who's at uh, the head coach at Union now. We had our talk and our lunch and then we left and I asked my mom if we could go to the bookstore because I wanted to buy a Colgate hockey sweater. 
And she was like, well, what do you mean? Like, we haven't even talked about this as a family. And I was like, no, like I'm, I'm coming here. So it's kind of hard to explain, but like everyone says, it's just a feeling that you get when you step onto campus and you meet the players and you meet the coaches. Like I, I just absolutely fell in love with Colgate and knowing that it was a scholarship school, but it was also a very highly ranked um, school for education. Um, I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And just to top it all off, the campus was absolutely stunning. So I thought it was the perfect fit. And what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to your game as a freshman in college hockey? Was it the mental side of the game, making quicker decisions with the puck? Or was it the physical side, playing against players that, a lot, that were a lot older than you were? Um, it was definitely both, I would say. Um, the game is so much faster. The girls are so much stronger. And um, the summer before I went away to Colgate, I trained really, really hard and felt like I was the strongest I had ever been. Um, but then you step into your first college hockey game and you're playing against players who are four years older than you. Um, it's quite an eye-opener, but it's also motivating because you see where you need to be in order to, um, you know, keep up and be competitive within the game. So, and the mental side um, definitely is because our first year at Colgate, when I was a freshman, we only won seven games all year. So it kind of took me back to being in Kingston when we didn't win um, a lot of games. So like I said, like the mental side, but there was a lot of adversity that we faced and, um, you know, high tempers. And um, it just seemed like during those periods of times when we weren't winning, um, people were pretty upset and frustrated. So it was just trying to stay positive and, you know, keep everyone engaged and looking towards the next game and just trying to get one win if we could and then reset and do it again. So, yeah, I think the mental side my freshman year was definitely the hardest adjustment. Yeah, I want to speak more about your freshman year. Your team struggled a lot. Uh, talk about that year, what you took away from it, and what was your mindset heading into your sophomore year? Yeah, so like I said, freshman year, I think we won seven games. And um, when I was being recruited, um, talking to Fargo, he recruited an outstanding freshman class that I had the privilege of being a part of. And he, talk, he always talked about a vision that he had, like where he wanted to take the program. Because I think when he recruited us that he was in his second or third year as head coach at Colgate. So um, we were his first true recruiting class. So he always talked about a vision and where he wanted to take the program. And me and my six other um, classmates, we bought in and we believed in his vision. So, um, I mean, it was, it was still a lot of fun freshman year, I will say, even though we didn't win. Um, we really got to experience like the college lifestyle. Like even though we weren't winning, we would still get together as a team and, you know, go to parties and meet new people and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, it was tough, but, um, 
in a way it was kind of the best of both worlds because I was still playing college or first year playing college hockey, but also really experiencing um, the college experience that everyone talks about. So I think just going into my sophomore year, it was, we had a really, really good freshman class coming in the year after me. So um, you kind of felt the momentum shift a little bit and you knew that each year moving forward, um, we were going to get better and better and better. And obviously it kind of turned out that way. Yeah, your team made a lot of improvements in your sophomore year. Uh, what did you do to make such improvements and what role did you want to play in that? And you also won your first playoff series as well, your sophomore year beating Harvard in the tough three-game series. Um, just talk about that year and what improvements you made to have great success your junior and senior year. Yeah, so that my sophomore year, we had three seniors and three juniors. And then there was seven sophomores and I think seven freshmen. So we had a senior goaltender who stood on her head the entire year. Um, and she gave us a chance to win every single game. And our leadership group was outstanding. Um, and I really found that the team dynamic changed as a whole. Um, we were just more dedicated, more focused, more motivated. And as the year went on, I think it was the first year that the program had exceeded 22 wins in a season. Um, and then our last game of the season, our last regular season game, we were playing Quinnipiac, who at the time was just a powerhouse. And they were on a 20-some game winning streak. And if they had beaten us, they would have broken their school record for most like wins in a row for any program and we actually ended up beating them in a really hard-fought game and after the game uh, Fargo brought us in all together and said that because we had won that game we were going to be hosting the first round of playoffs against Harvard so um, we were all so excited and just realized that all of our hard work and all of our sacrifice over the, the course of the season really um, paid off. And that was an exciting, a really exciting time for the program. Now, what was your favorite road arena you've ever played in, in college hockey? Ooh, I mean, they're all, especially in the ECAC, they're all so nice, but I would probably say either St. Lawrence university, just because the rink is so old and there's so much character and it's just a beautiful campus or, Cornell. Um, they always had so many fans, um, people from the community, students, and their pep band was always a lot of fun to listen to. So, and Cornell, I guess you would say, um, would be our, our rival in the ECAC because um, we're road partners. So if we would go away and play Clarkson, they would play St. Lawrence, and then we would switch. So we saw a lot of Cornell um, on the road and they're only about an hour away from Colgate. So, yeah, it, it was always a lot of fun to play at Cornell. Now, I know they don't play any warm-up music at Cornell. I feel like I would hate that as a player. But do you like yeah. or not really you need some, like, hip-hop to fire you up before a game? Because I know that's what I need. I definitely need some hip-hop or something, some mixtape. Um, yeah. The band is fun, but I don't know if it gets them fired up for the game, but – 
maybe that's why they do it because they get fired up for the game, but the other team doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I definitely enjoy um, a nice pregame mixtape. Now I want to talk about the historical senior year your team had. Um, you, what type of leadership did you want to bring to your team that senior year after learning from the past leaders that you had in Colgate? And were you more of a vocal leader or more of a lead by example type of player? Um, I would say a lead by example type of player. Um, just like looking back on my own experience as a freshman, I really appreciated when my seniors would, you know, come up to me at practice and ask how my day was or um, show interest in what was going on outside of the rink in my life. So um, I tried to do that a lot with the freshmen on my team. Um, you know, they would come into the rink before practice and I would simply ask like, hey, how was your day? And not knowing at the time, but um, that made a big impact on them because, you know, as a freshman, I felt like I was appreciated by my seniors and my upperclassmen. So, and then just on the, on the ice, I just tried to do the right things and, um, you know, always give 110% just because as a freshman, if I saw my seniors doing that, I would know I either had to pick up my game or I would just want to follow suit. So um, definitely not a vocal leader, but a lead by example type. Yeah, and uh, when did you realize your team was capable of making the national championship game? Because I know a lot of people had no expectations for Colgate going into that year. Yeah, so um, we went away on a team retreat at the beginning of the year, I think in September. And we had, that was the goal, you know, like when Fargo recruited us, he was like, this is what this is where I want the program to go. Like, this is my vision. And we bought into that. So there was a lot of talk even before the season started um, senior year, that that was what we were working towards. So that was always in the back of our minds, um, making it to the national championship game. And our team slogan that year was play to play. So, um, you know, we're just going to play to keep playing. And we're going to give it our all so we can keep playing. And I would say um, you, you kind of you started to realize maybe in November and December that that was a possibility. And then it really amped up in the new year. Um, and it was just like the most incredible season I've ever had as a player. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just, I love talking about it. It was like the best time of my life. Now you talk about the ECAC tournament that year because I know you guys lost in the final, but that was the furthest your team made when you were there at Colgate. Uh, what did you take away from that tournament and what was your mindset heading into the national tournament and how did you find out that you got in or your team got in? Because I know they have like a selection show and everything. Yeah, so the ECAC tournament, um, we played, we had been there twice before and we always lost out in the semifinal game. So that year we played Cornell in the semifinal and Clarkson was hosting the tournament. And I think we were up maybe four one against Cornell going into the third period. And then just, I think we got way too comfortable and Cornell came back and tied the game up. Um, but then they took a late penalty and 
my teammate, we were on a power play, my teammate Jesse Eldridge scored with, I think, one second left um, to give us the lead back again in the third period. So, um, yeah, going on to the championship game there, we were playing uh, Clarkson. And it seemed like we always had a tough time against Clarkson. Um, I don't know if we were intimidated or what it was, but we ended up losing that game. Um, but I think before, even before the um, ECAC tournament, we knew that we were going to be in the NCAA tournament um, just based on our national rankings all year and our record. So we did watch the selection show when we, I think when we got back from the ECAC tournament, um, so even like, even though we knew we were in it, it was still really exciting to see our name up on the screen in the bracket and just to find out who we were going to be playing against, which was Northeastern. So we got to host the NCAA quarterfinal game against Northeastern and our whole rink was transformed. Like all of the advertisements off the boards were taken down and it just said, you know, NCAA women's hockey and all this other cool stuff. And we got um, little like lanyards and passes to get into our, our own rink um, for practices and pregame skates. So yeah, it was just like heightened professionalism and um, just a totally different feel, even though we were in our home rink uh, for that game. And we had the most fans we've ever had at our rink for a game and it just so happened that that game was over spring break so probably 95 percent of the students at colgate were at home or they were away for spring break so uh, i could just imagine that if that game was during a time when all the students were at on campus then the rink would have been absolutely packed which would have been really cool but still it was um it was really, really awesome. And we had never played, no, sorry, we played Northeastern earlier in the year um, uh, at Colgate and we beat them pretty, um, not pretty bad, just, um, you know, um, it wasn't, not that it wasn't hard, but we beat them pretty decidedly. And um, so then to see them back in the tournament and you could tell the first uh, period of the game, they were a totally different team. And obviously to get to that point in the NCAA tournament, they were a really tough opponent, but we came out on top three to one and we did score an empty net goal to put us up three, one. And you could just like feel the weight lifted off your shoulders. Cause it was later in the game and everyone was just so excited uh, because we had that two goal cushion and uh, we eventually closed out the game. So it was bittersweet because that was the last game the seniors were ever going to play at the rink um, at the class of 65 in Hamilton. Uh, but it was like the best way uh, to, to play our last game there. Yeah, that game was really interesting because I remember Northeastern was kind of an up and coming team that year. They had a lot of good recruits coming in and now they're like one of the best uh, women's college hockey teams now. So I think that tournament really helped them, you know, get to where they were today. But Another game I want to talk to you about in the national tournament was you then went on to beat Wisconsin in the semifinals. Now, to this day, that is one of my favorite games I've ever seen. It was so much fun. You beat them in overtime. 
Uh, what was it like to play that team, beat them in overtime, and move on to the national championship game? Because Wisconsin was loaded that year, and then eventually they won the national tournament the year um, after they lost that game. Yeah, so I I think we were just really excited to be at the Frozen Four um, in Minnesota because it was the first time ever that Colgate um, women's hockey was in the tournament. So, you know, like Clarkson, Ohio State, Wisconsin, they had all been to that tournament before, but we were the new guys on the block. And I don't know, there was just a lot of excitement and things were so different and so cool. And we, we had the big opening uh, ceremony and we saw the trophy and um, the guys from on the bench were actually at our um, opening ceremony thing. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, we had, I had never played Wisconsin before um, in my four years at Colgate. So, so we had like, we had never matched up against them and um, we knew they were, a really, really talented, really tough team to play against. So I think in a way, just we went over video, you know, we, we talked about our game plan and what have you, but as soon as the game started, that kind of just goes out the window because you don't, you don't know what you're going to expect from a team you've never played before, but it was the most back and forth game I've ever played in. Like we would score, then they would score, then we would score, then they would score. And, um, you know, penalties and momentum changes. And yeah, our goalie, Julia Van Dyke, had the game of her life. And it was the most incredible thing to watch. And um, the first overtime came and went. And we went back to the dressing room and, you know, we're trying to fuel up and, eat some food and just drink water and reset for the next um, overtime period. And then we pretty much almost got through the entire second overtime and we were on a power play and I had the puck uh, just inside our blue line. And I made a pass across the ice to my classmate, Brianne Wilson Bennett. And up to this point, she had already had two goals in that game. So she, uh, she basically just walked into their zone, made a couple moves, took a shot that squeaked through the goalie's um, glove side. I think it was underneath her elbow. And I had just gotten back to the bench to sit down because I was truly exhausted. And she scored. And I just remember like letting out the biggest sigh of relief because I was so tired and I was so happy that the game was over and that obviously it ended in our favor. Um, and one thing to mention, the game before Clarkson and Ohio State, they also went into overtime. So our game got pushed back later. Um, so I don't think our game against Wisconsin ended until 12 or 1230 at night. Wow. Uh, so by the time, by the time after the game that you know, we celebrated as a team and we went up to celebrate with our parents and showered, got back to the hotel. I don't think it was until 1.30 in the morning that we got back from that game. But just, you know, trying to sleep after a game like that and all the emotions that were felt during that game, I just, I couldn't sleep because I was just on such a high and I couldn't come down from it. So, yeah, that definitely was probably my favorite game 
Now, talk about that just whole Frozen Four experience off the ice as well, just the whole scenery and the atmosphere that you experienced at Minnesota. I haven't been to a Frozen Four at the women's side, but it seems like a really cool setup that they put up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've never been to Minnesota before that point, but, you know, Minnesota as a state, they're, like, crazy about hockey. So there was just a lot of hype around the Frozen Four um, on the women's side. And like I said, we had our opening ceremony dinner and the guys from on the bench were there, um, which was hilarious and just so awesome. And we were able to talk to them after and take photos, but the whole weekend in general was just so professional. And we truly felt like we were, um, you know, really appreciated as athletes and, our hotel was so nice and everything, you know, said women's frozen four. And it was just a really cool experience because we had never been there before. And you show up to the game for the semifinal and like they have um, strict times where each team bus shows up to the rink and they have a red carpet that you walk on to walk into the rink and cameras and, you know, all your friends and your family and, even teammates um, that had graduated came to Minnesota to watch us play. So they're all lined up along the red carpet, just cheering us on as we're going into the rink. So that was really, really special. And just to see the amount of fans, like, for example, our game against Wisconsin, even though it was in Minnesota, um, it seemed like the entire rink was Wisconsin fans. And then, our Colgate fans had like one little section. So after the game, when we, when we scored to beat Wisconsin, um, it's probably my favorite picture from my four years, but we went over and as a team, we, you know, got down on one knee and we posed in front of our one section of fans and there's Colgate flags and everyone's just so excited. So, um, and then the, finals um i think a lot of wisconsin fans bought tickets for the semifinal and the final anticipating that they would be watching their team in the final game so we actually had a lot of wisconsin fans cheering for us that game which was really cool yeah i want to talk a little bit more about that final game you lost to clarkson uh, what emotions were you feeling after that loss knowing that you lost the championship but also that you played your final game at Goldgate? Yeah, it was a very, very emotional time. Um, that game, it was, you know, we had just lost to Clarkson two weeks prior or three weeks prior in the ACACM tournament. So that was kind of in the back of our minds that, you know, we played Clarkson, I think, three times already that season and we had only beaten them once. Um, so just going all the way to the Frozen Four and the finals to play a team from our own league. Um, it was cool because I don't think it, it had ever happened before um, in the Frozen Four for the women. So, um, yeah, it, it was a really good game. It was back and forth, and I think they scored first, and then we scored and eventually went into overtime. But um, for the first probably eight or nine minutes of overtime, it seemed like we were all over them. Like the, the play was always down in their end and you could almost feel it like that we were going to score, like it was coming. And then 
there was a shot block and the puck bounced out to center ice and one of our defensemen went back to get it against Clarkson's best player, um, Elizabeth Shiger. And she's just so strong and so talented and she bumped our defenseman off the puck and I think she had a breakaway from the blue line. So I kind of just put my head down because I didn't want to watch the unfoldings of that. And as soon as I heard Clarkson erupt with cheer, um, I knew it was over. But, you know, that's in a way that's kind of not how you want a championship game to end. Um, I think maybe it would be like garbage goal or gritty battle out front, but to have a breakaway. Um, obviously, she didn't. Uh, she didn't let that opportunity go to waste. So, yeah, it was definitely bittersweet um, that we lost. But I would say that knowing that that was the last game that I played for Colgate, um, it was also reassuring to know that that was like the last possible game that we could ever play in. It wasn't like we had lost out, um, you know, prior in the quarterfinals and that we would have to sit and watch other teams continue to play. Um, like that was the final game of the season. So that kind of helped in a way, but obviously going through that whole season and breaking records after records and just the whole build up to the frozen four, um, it would have been really, really nice to have brought home a championship to Colgate, but what can you do? Yeah, no, I feel like people don't talk about the other side of a championship game. People focus on who won, but no one really focuses on what happens when you lose. So, like, that must have sucked in the locker room, just the quietest it's probably ever been. Um, now, one, one on a more positive note now, I want to talk about one of your former teammates. Uh, she's still on the team now, Kendall Williamson. Uh, what was she like as a teammate on and off the ice? Because she was a great freshman when you were there and one of the top recruits that Colgate ever got. I remember I was very surprised when she committed there. Yeah, Kendall was awesome. She she came in and she was, you know, in shape and ready to go and just such a positive person to be around all the time. And um, she worked her butt off every single every single practice and in the weight room. And she was always just such a pleasure to be around. And um, my senior spring, we actually took intro to stats together. So that was a lot of fun because, you know, being a senior and her being a freshman, um, not that it's two different worlds, but outside of the rink, you don't really see your teammates as much as you would like to because obviously they're in different classes and they're in the dorm rooms. So it was nice to have a class with Kendall and um, become even more close to her. And she helped me out quite a bit in stats. So that was nice. We're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast, and my first non-hockey question to you is, we were talking about warm-up music earlier. What type of music do you like to listen to um, before a game, I guess, to get yourself um, motivated to play, or fired up, I should say? Definitely rap music. Um, when, I was, when we were at the Frozen Four, um, the song that really, really fired me up beforehand was Dreams and Nightmares by... Meek Mill um and that's still to this day like one of my favorite songs so hip-hop I would say definitely gets me going the most and then uh you know like dance or electronic music is also uh, a good pick-me-up so now if you could have lunch with anyone in the world who would it be and why 
Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. I haven't really ever thought of this question before, but I'll ask you, who would you have lunch with? Oh, that's tough. There's a lot of people. I think for me in a hockey um, side, probably Austin Matthews, because he's one of my favorite um, hockey players. Um, famous people? I don't really know. I have to, Tom Brady, probably. I'm a big Tom Brady fan just because oh, like, okay. a lot of people believed in him when he started out playing and he proved everyone wrong. He seems like just, and it's just a motivating factor for me since I'm doing this podcast, it's kind of small and not a lot of people believe in me. And there's, I know there's some people, some other podcasts that want me to fail. So trying to prove them wrong and being the best. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, any athlete, any professional athlete would be really cool to sit down and talk to. Um, maybe for me, Alexander Ovechkin, because he was one of, or he still is one of um, the players in the NHL that I love, just absolutely love to watch. Um, but maybe even post Malone, because I just feel like he's such maybe. a fun guy. Yeah, and he would be interesting. He would be really interesting to talk to. Um, my next question is, what's the worst commercial you have seen recently? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think I've, I've been watching a lot of, um, American news channels over the last couple of days, obviously because of the election. And normally when like you watch the Super Bowl, all of the commercials for the Super Bowl are just so awesome. Um, but the ones that I don't enjoy to see when I'm watching like a CNN or an MSNBC are the like Medicare commercials. Yeah. Just like the, the, yeah, like the health insurance commercials. I don't know. Not that they're bad. They just being from Canada, we don't really see those types of commercials. Yeah, no, I would probably say the Limo, Emo and Doug commercial. I don't know if you've seen it, but it <laughs> not because it's just not funny. Um, now back to some hockey questions. Now you played in Italy for a little bit after college. I'll talk about that experience a little bit. Yeah. Um, so starting senior year, um, you know, you're, like a lot of, for a lot, for a lot of girls, it's their last year of hockey that they will play. But um, it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to go over to Europe for at least a year to play hockey. And I had another classmate of mine, Kayla Pinkney, who was also really interested in that idea. So um, the two of us kind of decided that we were going to do it together. And reached out to Fargo and told him that that was something we were interested in. And I don't think he really had too much experience um, with sending his players over to Europe after graduation. So he had to uh, reach out to other coaches and kind of ask for help and guidance. But um, yeah, we, we ended up being able to go over to Bolzano in Italy and play in the uh, European Women's Hockey League. So we played in Austria, we played in Hungary, um, Slovenia, Germany. Um, so it was, it was so cool. I mean, we were in, when you think of Italy, you know, you think of like Rome or Venice or Tuscany, but we were in Northern Italy. So right in the heart of the Alps. And it was just, the coolest experience ever and we were so central in in Italy that 
you know, we could hop on a train and go to a different country in within an hour. Um, so we truly took advantage of every um, break we had in the team schedule to, you know, hop on a train or hop on a bus and go explore. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy that I was able to do that. And I would recommend it 100% to anyone who's, who's looking to do that. It's such a cool experience. It is quite a different pace than coming from the NCAA. Um, but I mean, you're not over there to, to win a national championship. You know, you're over there to, to meet new people and to see the world. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, what should be done to grow women's hockey? Like, what would you do if you were like the commissioner for the day? Like, what would you try to do to make women's hockey more, get more exposure and grow? Um, definitely sponsorship. Um, and I know it's in the works and they're trying to make it happen, but partnering with NHL teams. So, you know, there's like a, a women's affiliate to the Bruins and to the Maple Leafs and Buffalo and Calgary and, what have you um yeah so honestly just it's easier said than done but just more money coming into the game because these professional women's athletes they truly put their heart and soul into training and into practicing and um getting better but at the same time they still have to work another job they have to work a nine to five or they have to do um, whatever they need to do in order to make an income because they have bills to pay. And being a professional women's athlete, hockey player at this time isn't enough for that. So I really think um, that that will be where they will be one day, um, where women's hockey players can simply just be a professional women's hockey player and make enough money. And then um, you know, seeing the games on TV and on Sports Center, and that it's more of a topic of discussion on these sports broadcasting channels. Now, another question I like to ask you is what should I do better as an interviewer to improve and make this podcast better? Hmm. I think you've done a great job. Thank you. I you have a lot of really good questions, and, and it seems like you really do your research. So, um, I think you're doing a really good job. Well, I thank you for that. It means a lot. Um, no, it was, I'm, yeah, it's been fun doing this. It's fun getting good players on like yourself and getting to um, uh, do it. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Now, is there any shout-outs you'd like to give to any of your family members, teammates? Um, I would just shout-out to all my teammates at Colgate. Um, hopefully they'll, they'll listen to this and, um, you know, they can relate to what I've been saying but yeah they're the best people I know and it was just so much fun to be with them all for four years so shout out to those girlies awesome well, I appreciate it well thank you so much Shelby for coming on it was great talking with you you're one of my favorite players at Colgate ever watched it was, it was so much fun getting to meet and talk with you so I really appreciate it uh, take care and stay safe and yeah hopefully we'll talk soon Awesome. Thank you so much. That means a lot, Matt. Thank you. No problem. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Thanks. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest, former Colgate women's hockey player, Lauren Wildfang. Lauren, how's it going? Good. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. 
yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, how's your quarantine going and what have you been doing these past few months to pass the time? Yeah, so I've been uh, working full time, so still doing that, um, kind of passing the time that way. Uh, also just trying to keep sane with uh, some binge watching of Netflix and whatnot, but it's been going good uh, for the most part. Good. Now I want to start off talking about some hockey. I want to ta- start off talking about your beginning of your hockey career. You grew up in Canada. Uh, what was it like to grow up there and how did you start playing hockey and falling in love with the sport? Yeah, so I had a little bit of an interesting background when it came to hockey. I actually started in ringette. Um, So I started there. My brother played hockey and my sister also played. uh, She actually played ringette. So she was more so um, involved in that side of things. And I kind of just learned from her um, wanting to get into it. I started fairly late in my career. So I started when I was around 10, um, starting to skate and starting to learn. And then politics became a little bit heightened in Um, in Canada with ringette so I actually switched over to hockey learned the game fell in love and kind of never looked back from there kind of cliche to say but it's kind of just the way it worked for me and I was fortunate to be able to play on some really good teams that developed me wasn't necessarily the best player but got to sit back and watch some really talented athletes come up and wanted to be like them. Uh, Who was your favorite player growing up? Oh that's a good question um I think I looked up to a lot of people. Aaron Ambrose was always a really big influence for me in my career um, growing up, especially, uh, you know, coming from uh, kind of a similar background, played for Toronto, um, Arrows together and whatnot, but she was always someone who was super dynamic. She um, had really great leadership skills and I kind of envied that um, in terms of wanting to be like that and, you know, tried my best to, to emulate that every day. You played for the Toronto Arrows before Colgate. Um, Talk about that experience and what did you take away from it? Yeah, so I had a really great experience with the Toronto Arrows. Um, I was able to play with a lot of friends um, from different teams that, uh, as a center, that didn't have an import rule, which uh, probably is a good or good or bad thing depends the way that you look at it but um we were able to do a lot of things in terms of development which was really cool I got to travel a lot um so I had to learn a lot about time management that prepared me for later on in my career but I think the most important thing was I actually switched from being a forward to a defenseman and that was a coach um Dave Gwynn that helped me do that and it it allowed my career to take me to new heights. Um, I realized that I fell in love more with defense than I did forward ever. So I, I was able to grow in that way. What was the biggest challenge uh, transitioning positions during uh, such a young age uh, in the junior level? Oh, it was so hard the, to keep up with the transition of um, how fast the forwards were. I think that was one of the hardest things. Um, and then also having been a forward and always been told to just go, it was hard to then learn how to kind of uh, reel that back and know where the spot was on the ice that I was supposed to be. So those were two big challenges, but um, I had really great teammates that supported me and let me, you know, sometimes just go and, uh, or, you know, what would, you know, trip me down the bench being like, hey, can you stay in your spot? So I had good, good, good teammates and good support that way. <laughs> That's good to hear. Now, you also played for Team Canada in the World Championships. Uh, talk about what it was like getting the chance to represent your country on that national stage and win the tournament. Yeah, so that was a really cool experience, and it was a, it was a cool experience for a lot of different reasons. I think the 
the reason of just being able to uh, pull over the the maple leaf on your on your jersey that's something that's really unique really cool and really special but also the the talent that's around you I think I remember sitting in the locker room at one point and looking around and just realizing how much talent was in the room and that I got the opportunity to play with all those girls that was something that was unique to Team Canada and bringing together such a, a well-rounded group of girls that were then able to you know accomplish the goal of winning the gold medal and that was it's a it's an undescribable feeling. Now how did those experiences playing in the PWHL and for your country help you prepare for college hockey? Yeah, I think it prepared me well. I would say that there's always surprises when it comes to college hockey in terms of, you know, juggling a social life and understanding that you still have these goals and you still have these timelines. Um, education's really at the forefront of everything. So trying to juggle that, um, being a new environment, being the first time away from home, uh, those were all really new to me. So it was, you know, I had to lean on some of those skills that I learned of traveling back and forth from Waterdown to Toronto, twice, three, four or five times a week, depending on what that looked like, um, to, to be okay with being away from home. I'm, I'm a homebody, so it was hard at the beginning, but you know, you have good support, um, throughout kind of the PW and Team Canada. So it was nice to see that and it remained throughout college. So. And, uh, what was the, talk about your recruiting process and what made you want to go to Colgate? I was where I was this is where college like I wanted somewhere a little bit closer to home so my parents could come see me and my family um I wanted to be part of a building program which was Colgate and that those kind of all checked the boxes for me and then it was just ultimately that feeling I got from meeting you know some of the players the campus and then coach Fargo and the coaching staff there too yeah and what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to your game as a freshman in college um that's a good question. Um, trying to think back, it was a little while. Uh, I was injured for most of my first year, so I think that played an even bigger um, part in my college career and trying to get into that um, rhythm of things in my freshman year. So I came off a nine-month concussion, so I had post-concussion symptoms um, that led me to not play until November of my freshman year. So I established a relationship with the girls um, in the locker room because I was very much on the outside. It girls to actually build those bonds so that was some uh, a challenge I had to to get through um but then ultimately the the maturity and the girls and the teammates are different in that now um you made a lot of um one we talked to one of your teammates recently and she said to ask you about some of your injuries and how you came through it so how did you uh try to recover from those injuries and what was the mental um challenges you had to face doing that yeah so uh, yeah, I tore both my labrums. Um, so battling obviously through that was not fun. It was about a four to six month recovery in which I was, um, I really struggled mentally with, you know, trying to think, am I going to be okay? Am, am I going to be the same player I was before? Um, things weren't necessarily working right or, you know, feeling exactly right. Um, so dealing with that, I unfortunately for surgery redone because it was uh, a little bit on the side of not being able to function the way that I wanted to just even in my daily life um so I did uh, I did get that one redone and then in my senior year I also got a, a knee scope because I had a tour I had a tear in my knee and they just needed to clean up some things so um my next question is uh your team struggled a little bit in your freshman year uh talk about 
what you did uh, to improve during your first two years at Colgate and make the success that you did your upperclassmen, your junior and senior year? Yeah, so we had um, a really great mindset. I mean, we knew that the first year wasn't the way it was going to be, but we also knew that it wasn't going to be an overnight fix. So building a program is something that does take four, five, six years. And we didn't necessarily know if we were going to be able to see it in our time. Uh, my entire class knew that it was going to be hard work and it was going to be changing a lot of things um, along the way that our program didn't necessarily have at the beginning. So um, can give you some, some examples of that, but uh, we had a wonderful recruitment class come in underneath us year after year. That makes it a lot easier. Um, bringing in top talent to play together uh, definitely makes a big difference when you're trying to compete for a national championship. Um, different ways we trained. We trained differently. We were more committed to that. We were more committed to the lifestyle of being a hockey uh, player and a student athlete at school. That was something that was really important. And um, that's, that's something that we ultimately really changed and really focused on. We also, our, our coaches did a really good job at thinking outside the box. So they put us in situations that didn't necessarily make sense for hockey players. And ultimately became really great all around athletes. I remember one time we decided to have a scrimmage on like with the soccer team, which was really awesome. We got to know them better, but also got to work on skills that we weren't necessarily work on in hockey. And ultimately we could see that transfer over. So those were some of the, some of the things along the way that kind of played to that mindset and that success. Now you did win your first playoff series in your sophomore year though. You beat Harvard in a tough three-game series. Uh, what did you learn from your first playoff experience? And talk about beating a good team like that and what you took away from it. Yeah, so beating a good team like that meant more of just, you know, you, you really do never know um, who's going to come away with it. And I think that was a theme throughout my entire college career and the success. And that's when I first kind of got my eyes open to it. It was that no matter how good the team is, everyone's beatable. You know, whether you're the national championship team one year, whether you've gone on an unbeaten record for 20 whatever games, you are beatable if you don't show up and play. Um, not to say Harvard didn't play that series, they did. I think we just found a little, we, we could dig a little bit deeper um, and being the underdogs, it's a little bit easier to come out firing versus, you know, being that great team year after year and they gave us a run for our money, but we were able to, um, able to be successful in that, which is wonderful and great and it taught us lots. Now you get to play in a pretty cool arena in Colgate, but what was your favorite road arena you've ever played in? Oh, St. Lawrence was my favorite. Um, and for weird reasons, like the barn itself, the ice was always so good because it was so cold. It hurt really bad when you blocked shots because it was so cold, but the ice was fantastic. The rooms were always really big. It was something that it just had like that old kind of barn of like my childhood feel. Now, going into your senior year, what type of leadership did you want to bring and what did you learn from past leaders that helped your leadership skills and were you more of a lead by example or a vocal leader on and off the ice? Yeah, that that's a good question. I think I led in a little bit of both ways. I am definitely someone who has a bigger personality and I liked to be, um, you know, bubbly and fun in the locker room and I didn't really want to take all, all things too, too seriously at times because I knew that the pressure was on us anyways. Um, so I would definitely say that part of it, but I was also someone that really did want to come in and be the best version of myself. That was something that I really did own my senior year um, and wherever that led me, it led me. I had a freshman D partner my uh, first year and or my senior year, sorry. And that was something that was really cool. I got to show her 
what kind of I what I had learned along the way and then ultimately where she could take it after I was gone and that kind of played true to to all the first years that were in that year but um, I think all the seniors kind of took them under their belt and said this is where we want to continue our legacy to go and the like our sophomores and our juniors will show you the way you just have to trust them. Yeah, and I want to talk about the historical senior year your team had. At what point during the regular season did you, re- you realize your team was capable of making the national championship game? Because I know many people did not expect Colgate to make it that far at the start of the year. Yeah, I think that was a mindset in our first year, if I'm being quite honest with you. I think it started well before um, our senior year. We had decided that that's where we wanted to go years before that. And we knew that that was the year that we were going to do it one way or another, whether it meant like blood, sweat and tears of everything. But um, ultimately, that, that mindset was years in the making. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the ECAC tournament you had in your final year. You lost in the final. Uh, What did you take away from that tournament? And what was your mindset heading into the national tournament? And what was it like making it that far in the ECAC tournament? Because I know you guys never made the final your previous three years that you were in Colgate. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool to see... Um, you know, all the teams there gathered. It was something that, yeah, I'd never been part of. So it was eye-opening in the sense of pressure and what that looked like, accountability um, in, you know, owning each shift. Um, <laughs> emotions get high when when tournaments are that, that important and that big, but um, believing and trusting in your teammates, believing in the process that you have and not changing it. I think that was a big thing that we, that we took away. And then we brought to the national championship that, you know, you could be down three, nothing, things can change in a split second. So to just trust the process and believe in us, we didn't need to change anything that we were doing because it got us there in the first place. So we took that with us in the national championship for sure. Uh, What was your reaction when you headed to your first uh, national uh, tournament your senior year? I was so excited. I think that all the hard work, all the sacrifice, all the injuries along the way, they become worth it at that point. Um, not to say that they wouldn't have if I if we didn't make it there, but I think it becomes even more of a breath of fresh air when that happens because, you know, everything that you've sacrificed, you've worked hard for. I mean, you give up a lot being a student athlete, classes you don't take, I don't know, internships you don't do. You know, I spent summers rehabbing like it wasn't the most fun um so I think all of it becomes really exciting and really worth it at that point now in the quarterfinals you beat a great up-and-coming northeastern team uh what challenges did they bring and what do you remember from that game oh everything they were a wonderful team they they dominated uh, a lot of that game and um we were able to have some luck on our side and I think that's what it was it was luck it was hard work um because there were moments where I think I think there was defeat in the the line of girls as much as it it sucks to say I think that they hammered us for a really long time I mean that was something that was not new we weren't used to playing in our zone that much and they just kept coming um they're a great team I I don't take anything away from them um so yeah you then went on to beat Wisconsin in the semifinals, and to this day, it's one of the best hockey games I've ever seen. Uh, what was it like being that team in overtime, and what was it like to move on to the national championship game? Because Wisconsin was loaded that year, and they won the championship the next year after you beat them. Yeah, honestly, the word that comes to mind is tiring. Um, they pushed, and they pushed, and they pushed, and as we, we responded and we responded as a team, which was awesome and great, but they're a phenomenal team. They were stacked hundred percent. They have great coaches. They have great plays and 
their their talent is undeniable. So I think just understanding how great of a hockey team they are really does put in perspective for us. And we're humbled by the fact that we even got to play them. And just talk about the whole Frozen Four experience off the ice, um, the whole scenery, uh, what it was like to be there in Minnesota. And I haven't been to a women's Frozen Four, but it seems like they do a pretty cool job with the red carpet and the pep bands that show up. Yeah, it's really cool. The red carpet was really awesome. It's nice to see, you know, women's hockey get the recognition um, of being a, a sport and being a pr- pretty good sport. Um, I think that's something big and we're fighting for constantly on a day-to-day basis. And we see it a lot in today's news and what everyone is doing for the game and allowing ourselves to have a better future in it or whether that's us right now or our kids or whoever down the road. Um, but at the same time, the Frozen Four is something that everyone, I wish everyone got to experience. It's something that you can't really explain. It's a bottled up feeling that when you get there, you just know you've arrived. And it's probably one of the hardest things that I've had to do. Um, the competition gets high. The pressure in yourself gets high. Your teammates are looking at you, hoping, you know, you hold up your end of the bargain. So at the end of the day, as much as it is a really awesome experience, it's also a lot of pressure and a lot of hard work. And I don't want to discredit the the tournament for being exactly what it should be. It's a roller coaster of a ride, and that's what a championship team is. It's someone that can face the adversity, face the pressures, and then ultimately come out on top playing the sport. Yeah, I've been to one Frozen Four, but I was on the men's side, and it was really cool. At the TD Garden, they had all the lights and stuff, and I don't know. It was I got I, I was fired up as a fan, and I wasn't even rooting for any of the four teams that were there. Yeah, now, you then lost to Clarkson in the finals, unfortunately. Uh, what emotions were you feeling after that loss, knowing that you lost the championship, but also that you played your final college game? Oh yeah, there was a lot of emotion in that one. Um, I think the goal of coming out on top was what we wanted, but. You know, when you play such a great team, it's almost hard to be upset that you lost because you played such a good team and you played a good game. Like, it wasn't like it was a blowout game. It could have been anyone's. Um, So I think understanding that and being able to process that, obviously sad we lost and we couldn't do it and all the hard work that we had worked up to, you know, didn't come true in that sense. But the last game is college hockey. It was sad. Um you spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of years like preparing and getting ready for something like this. And then you look back and you reflect on, you know, 15 plus years of playing hockey and friendships along the way and family members and everything like that. And it becomes bittersweet because that part of you then kind of retires and you have to move on to something. And at that point, you really don't know what you're moving on to. So it's, it's challenging in that sense of finding yourself again. Oh, what was your reaction when you saw the Clarkson player get that breakaway? And just talk about that play. And did you even look at it? Yeah, so I was on the ice for it. So that was hard. Um, Ultimately, I think that our goalie, our goalie did what she needed to do. Um, Jaquera is a a great player. I mean, she's phenomenal. Um, She did what she needed to do. Disheartening, obviously. I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have I don't know, been in a better spot to be there and take a one-on-one or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it wasn't meant to be. Um, she was meant to score that goal, and I'll give her credit for it. It was wonderful, and it ended the game, and they won that. Now, have you been back to Colgate since you graduated? And what are your thoughts on the team now, and what, do you, what are your expectations for the program heading to the future? 
Yeah, I've been back. Um, we go back quite a bit, actually, as a, as a senior class, but then also as alumni. Um, it's something that I love to do. I, I hope I get to go back this year, even next year. I would love to see our freshmen graduate, which is really scary to say um, that it's almost been four years out of the program. But uh, that being said, could not be more proud of the girls and the program itself. It's continuing to do well year after year and build. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for where it's going. Um, I'm excited for where it's been, but I'm excited to see where it's going because I know that hopefully in the near future and closer than I think, I, I hope I'm, I'm at a national championship game with them, cheering them on in the stands. Now, after Colgate, you went to Sweden to play some professional hockey. Uh, talk about what it was like playing up in there and uh, what did you take away from being in Europe? Yeah, Europe was really awesome um, in the sense of I got to find a voice within hockey. So we talk about professional hockey and we talk about women. Um, it's something that has been around for a little bit, not too not too long now. But um, I think just understanding contracts, understanding you know where you're going, what's expected. You're moving halfway across the world and you have no one. Like You don't know the language, you don't know the culture, anything. So I think one, being able to do your research and get people that have been over there to understand what it's like and if you're going to enjoy it, um, because it is different. It's different hockey even. You're playing with, you know, high school students again, which is different. Great high school students, don't get me wrong, but still high school students, which you wouldn't have been in a locker room with them for a really long time at that point. So understanding that, understanding the way that they play, I think that was really unique and cool. And then ultimately the culture, I think it's wonderful to be able to use my sport to be able to travel and been given the opportunity to do that. Um, I wouldn't, I, I never have regretted uh, going over and spending a year after college to do that. I wasn't in a rush to start a job. Um, so being able to do that was awesome. Now, what are the people like in Sweden and are the meatballs as good as they say it is? Yeah, they are. Um, we actually went to an Ikea in Sweden, just to say that we went to an Ikea in Sweden. Um, it looks the same as at anywhere else. Uh, um, but no, it, they're, they're really cool people. They're very laid back. They're, they're, um, they have this thing called Fika, which is like you stop and take a break and you enjoy life and stuff like that, which is really cool. And I kind of have taken that back to, to here with me where I, I don't feel as go, go, go all the time. And I can take some breaks and enjoy what I have and where I'm going. Now, I want to talk about a former teammate that you got to play with, um, Kendall Williamson. What was she like as a teammate on and off the ice? Because she was just a great freshman when you were a senior, and she's going to be on our players to watch list. I don't know if you saw that on our social media page, but for Colgate for this upcoming ECAC year. Yeah, so Kendall, awesome, awesome player, awesome person, um, someone that I really enjoyed um, kind of – being around um again wasn't around very much in terms of just being able to be there for a year with her but seen year after year growth potential um she's hard working it's something that you know you don't find very often and something that you kind of hold on to as someone that um you know respects the game and whatnot so i i can't wait to watch her this year i'm really excited for that so yeah you also got to play with shelby perry who was another fantastic player talk about what it was like to play with her and also, she told us to ask you about your dog. Apparently, you got a dog your senior year, and she told us to ask you about it. Yeah, so I got a dog. Oh, okay. Well, first, Shelby. Shelby, wonderful human. Um, probably the nicest person I've ever met um, on and off the ice. Um, someone that I could constantly rely on and trust as a friend um, and truly did become one of my sisters to this day. So um, love her to death. Um, yep, I got, a, I got a dog in my senior year, um, November of my senior year. 
She was a great therapy puppy for everyone. We lived in a house of seven. All our seniors lived in a house. Um, and she was wonderful. She, she always had, she was always happy and whatnot. I mean, how can you not be when you get loved by, you know, a full team and a community of people. So yeah, no, love her. She's doing really well. She's, uh, she just turned three, which is crazy to think, um, but she's doing great. Uh, what was it like to train a dog and also play college hockey at the same time? Because that seems kind of difficult. Yeah, it was actually a lot easier than people thought. Um, and maybe because I grew up with dogs, I knew the work that was going into it and what I needed to do. But ultimately, I had a lot of people support me and a lot of people that were there to also train her. So um, it was something that was I found kind of seamless. Um, it allowed me to have more of a structured schedule, which I do better on. So it actually helped me, you know, with schoolwork, with hockey, with, you know, owning her and loving her and whatnot and keeping her safe. So it actually helped my life a lot more than I would even probably admit to myself sometimes. Now talk about the balancing act of both academics and hockey in college. It seems tough to just do academics as a freshman myself in college. How do you do it with the hockey aspect in a non-COVID scenario like you were in when you were at Colgate? Yeah, it's challenging, right? Like you're, it's a new environment. It's new schoolwork. It's stuff you haven't done before. It's different class schedules. I think the, it's different training schedules. I think the biggest thing is to understand that you can ask for help. Um, it's something that I feel like both women and men, especially at athletes, they don't like to ask for help all the time. And it's something that you can do and you should do. If you need extra resources, use them. The school's there. It's what they're meant to do. The hockey team is there to support you. So they'll find avenues to help you as well. Um, I can't stress enough the biggest concern of being able to ask for help. Um, now we're in the non-hockey segment of the podcast. And my first question is, uh, what's your favorite music you like to listen to? Favorite music? Country, for sure. I absolutely love country music. It's something that has always kind of been there for me. And yeah, I love it. Who's your go-to artist? Um, oh, that's, that's hard. I'm not like a big like artist person I'm more of like a whatever is on the playlist that Apple provides <laughs> yeah have you gone to EDM music because I know it's really big in Sweden and that's kind of my thing yeah I I'm not I will listen to it if it's on like I'm definitely not that person that um will ever turn music off um but it wouldn't be like something that I'm like search out a playlist for okay okay now if you could have lunch with anyone in the world who would it be and why Oh, um, do they have to be dead or alive? It doesn't matter. Whatever you, whoever you okay. want to talk to. That didn't, like, that didn't affect my answer in any means. But um, uh, I would say anyone in the world. I would go back to uh, my midget coach and have uh, dinner with them and talk about kind of where I was and where I am now and how he's helped me and whatnot. That's cool. Now, what is your favorite TV show? Is it Friends or is it something else? Uh, I'm really into crime shows. I really like the investigation side. So, like, uh, I wouldn't say, like, like, Criminal Minds, like, those kind of shows, but also, like, the ones that just have, like, a lot of suspense and stuff. Those are my favorite. I could not get into Criminal Minds. I watched one episode. It was very, very uh, scary. So, I couldn't yeah, do it. <laughs> the villain was, like, creepy because, like, yeah. the, what he did was very realistic. And I just, oh, it yeah. me out, so I couldn't watch it anymore. Yeah, no, that's fair. I feel like the newer seasons have become much more real and I try and stay away from those. But like the older ones where there's more of like a storyline and stuff, I like those ones. Yeah, definitely. Now back to some cocky questions now. What advice would you give younger players trying to pursue Division One college hockey? 
Uh, I would say don't rush things. Um, it's a process and you're going to learn it. It's inevitable that you'll learn it. Um, but don't rush and don't feel like you need to, to be somewhere you're not, um, in two senses of the words and in, in, in two senses of, um, that statement, one picking your school, don't rush it. It's going to be there. If you're good, if it's meant to be, it will be. Um, and then two, when you're there, like enjoy it, like, it goes by so fast. And I think everyone that is on this side of things on my side, who's graduated is really enjoy the moments because um, you wish you were back there. Now, what should be done to grow women's hockey? What should be done? Yeah. I think honestly, a lot of the initiative that is now, you know, community members getting out and supporting women's hockey and their local, um, whether it's their college or their younger uh, PW teams, whatever that looks like for you and your community. It's getting your family, going out, watching women's ice hockey. It's a great game. It has a lot different factors. Um, now, is there any shout you'd like to give before we let you go? No, that's... Uh, I think just you know, to Colgate and home and family and everything. It, it's all, uh, it's all been a blur because of COVID and stuff. And it looks a lot different, but to continue to enjoy, um, you know, the season and the world and everything like that, and things will turn around and hopefully we can get out and support a game soon. Thank you so much for coming on Lauren. It was great talking with you and I wish you all the best and I'm sorry for all the internet problems, but it'll, no. out and it'll work fine. No, that's perfectly fine. If you need anything else, let me know. Okay. Okay. I'll let you know. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Teardrops start to dry Even when the sun begins to shine again Taking all the advice there is And none of it has helped Experience has made me realize That I won't build my life on empty words start to try.